Hello. Before we get down to cinema, I would like to draw your attention to our Patreon. Regular listeners will know that these podcasts are supported by Quad, our home cinema in Derby, UK. But as Quad is a charity, we want to make Cinelet as self-sustainable as possible. So, to that end, we have set up a two-tier way in which you can support Cinelit. For our 35mm Cine fans, you'll get a bonus additional episode each month where we will be deep diving into an area of cinema that will be exclusive to Patreon subscribers for at least six months before it arrives like a late dinner guest on the regular feed. Plus, you get the episodes a week in advance of the main feed release. But if you want to support us and don't feel that pressing need to have the additional podcast each month, but still want that warm, satisfying feeling of being part of the Cinelit success story, then you can become an 8mm Cine fan where you can donate and get our heartfelt thanks. Head over to the Patreon page and subscribe if you can. However, we know that times are hard at the moment, so please do not feel you need to subscribe if you are not able. We'll still be putting out new, free-to-listen-to episodes on a regular basis throughout the year. Now let's get back to your regular scheduled broadcast. I'm Rebecca Taylor, Film Officer at Quad in Derby. This podcast is part of a season we're doing at Quad in September called Reforming the Image, which is focusing on black and ethnically diverse representation on screen. In the podcast, I'm going to be talking to people in the film industry from a diverse community about representation on screen and the films that they identify with. I'd like to thank the BFI Film Hubs Midlands for funding this podcast. So enjoy. Today I'm talking to Caroline. So, hi Caroline. Hi Rebecca. So tell me a bit about yourself, Caroline, and what you do. I'm a screenwriter and a curator. I also programme for and founded a film collective called Under London. So we do like screenings and collaborate with like young filmmakers Emerging filmmakers, really, I don't like to put like an age limit on things. And we're based in London, but, you know, I'm also open to like travelling. <laughs> and what sort of projects have you done in the past? We've done a varied amounts. So just this year we did a project called um, Living in the City, where it was female based and we promoted filmmakers from New- London and New York. So it was kind of like a cultural exchange and it was all virtual based as well, because during COVID it was like, we were kind of limited, but I guess you just have to like flip that brick and figure out, okay, we can't meet in person, but we can try and like make use of like connecting virtually to connect with people. And we don't have to buy a plane ticket to connect with people overseas. And we we collaborated with Tape Collective on one of their screenings called They Did the Whole BFI July Season of Where Are You Really From? Which was kind of based on that question that people get. And we did like a screening, I think a couple of days ago, last week, I think, where it was open submissions and they were all the films were based on identity. So really what I try and do is just pick like projects that really speak to me and try and do stuff that is like a platform really like supports filmmakers and gets their work seen in the right way and also it's interesting because when I actually planned to do this season we actually started it in October last year and 
we were hoping to stay open as a cinema at Quad. But unfortunately, the November lockdown happened and we had to, to close again. But it, it over the course of the pandemic and, and things, I've had to think about ways in which we can now communicate that doesn't have to be actually in person. So when you talk about working virtually, I think that that's quite interesting. Also, um, interesting in the sense of when you, we're looking for sort of commissions and sort of we can make our own seat at the table as such. Instead of waiting for a seat at the table, I mean, we can make our own table, you know, with the with the extra now virtual aspect that we have and we're more used to now with the pandemic, you know, we can we can just go on YouTube and things like that. So so yeah, that's interesting to to um hear from hear about. So yeah, so just generally when I was thinking about this film season, I was trying to think of back when I was a child and sort of representation and what kind of things I looked at. I'm a mixed heritage. I'm white Caucasian British and black Caribbean. And I actually struggled with particularly finding an I an identity on screen that I can identify with. And as I've spoken to other people during this this series of podcasts, it, it comes quite clear that I thought it was just an age thing, that obviously I was born in the 90s and it was a particular reflection on perhaps the 90s, but talking to people much older, that isn't the case, which I'll elaborate later, but we were, we sort of were drawing on the same representations and also internationally, you know, I thought it was a particularly Black British experience, but I've come to realise that it's actually, it's a very international experience. So I will start with more Black representation than sort of mixed heritage representation because that that came a bit later. But I was just curious with yourself, Caroline, if there was any, growing up, was there anything that you identified with? I guess like I was born in 93, which is like early 90s. And I guess through, I think TV wise was like, goodness gracious me, that was the first thing I saw that was like, oh, it's funny, but, like, anyone can watch it. I think also, like, I'm mixed race as well. So sometimes kind of was born and raised in East London as well. So it's kind of, like, Asian Central. So sometimes it's, obviously, I've got, like, an English name as well. So I guess, you know, when you're mixed race, you kind of, like, I don't know, you're trying to, like, you get people commenting on, like, this is this is how you should, but, like, you have to find who you are yourself. Because everyone's got a comment, everyone's got an opinion, and sometimes you, you know, those things can affect you. Because as human beings, we just want to be loved and understood. Those are the two things. Like my mum is of like she's Indian Malaysian, but she's also uh, her ancestors are Tamil, basically. So normally in like Asian entertainment, there is like colorism, like within that whole thing. If you're dark skinned they don't really like. But I guess like growing up overall, I didn't like it was kind of like a one a year kind of thing like you get one one film or like one person you hang on to it for dear life and I think that kind of left you kind of feeling a bit like it was only when I went to India in like 2013 on like a volunteer trip and I remember looking through the magazine and like seeing people who actually like consistently looked like me not just one like I remember going through and finally like people actually look like me that I felt like oh like because I think it's kind of different when you're living in like the UK where it's like, it's 
it's you're kind of like children of immigrants or whatever to find your identity. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you. Unlike yourself, I my dad's um from Jamaica, but I've never been to Jamaica, and I've often thought thought about the sort of experience I'd have if I went to Jamaica and would you know would that shape my identity a bit more because obviously the white British side of me I you know I feel like I feel like I understand that lifestyle and particularly from that I grew up a similar place to where my British Caucasian side of the family are from so I kind of know what it's like but my dad was born in Jamaica and he often talks about Jamaica but I I've never been myself, so I've always thought that that would be quite interesting to, to, to see if that shapes my identity a bit more. But as you said, on TV growing up, I would say probably like the Lenny Henry show was something that I, you know, made me understand a bit more about West Indian culture. But it's a difficult one to try and understand. And growing up, I don't think there was anyone that particularly... I could relate to as a child on on TV. It was more, and it's quite interesting for me, it was more the black American experience. So I grew up with like Nickelodeon and obviously like Keenan and Kel and like Sister Sister and all those shows. So it's weird because when growing up, probably the the representation that I most identified with was black the black American experience. Yet I'm not black American, I'm black British. So it was, a, it was a strange one. And I never forget my most earliest memory of kind of feeling like there was no representation on screen was the brandy version of Cinderella. And <laughs> I was obsessed with that film. I'd go to the library and I would just rent it out all the time. And... I remember thinking that the film, I've seen it in recent years, it's not very good, but I think that, 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 that me watching that so early on has made me sort of understand what I was trying to see. And obviously, particularly growing up, everybody was interested in Disney and I just never could identify with those Disney princesses and things like that. Obviously, in more recent years, there's they've made their characters more ethnically diverse but you know when I was growing up everybody was into the Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast and I just I never liked Disney I was never a Disney child was never interested in it so yeah what about you can you remember an early memory of trying to find that I you know sort of that identity on TV like you growing up, I identified more with the black American experience as you. I remember that Cinderella was important because that was like a rainbow cast, that like everyone was welcome to that party. And you felt like, you know, I felt like that was way ahead of its time in terms of like casting. And, you know, even to this day, people still like that's something that people still go to. That's kind of a classic, really. So I think that was way ahead of its time. But growing up, I was, I remember I used to watch loads of sitcoms, really, and but it was just good. When I was growing up, this is before streaming, right? So, like, we we have to give a disclaimer. Anyone who's, like, like 20 or under, like, this is a, a bit of a lesson. So growing up, we didn't have Netflix, none of that stuff, Disney+, Plus. no, no, no. You had, like, your Skybox and you had your standard channels, so with Trouble, you've got all your like American-based sitcoms and reruns of like Fresh Prince, One-on-One, Girlfriends, all of that stuff. So 
on BBC Two or sometimes they'll show like Six Day, they'll have like Fresh Prince. But Fresh Prince was like a crossover, like everyone, like the, it was just star power of Will Smith and the show was just like good, great, like, so everyone kind of watched that. Before, a lot of the British shows, like, or Channel 4, was really, like, nothing I could identify to. Even when I was, like, older with, like, in-betweeners, like, really Mm. couldn't identify. Even Skins, maybe, but still, I think that was still maybe Dev Patel's character on it and his family, but it was kind of, like, that was still a predominantly white cast, Skins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I was the same. I never liked Skins. I just never, never, never saw. Yeah, I tried to watch a few episodes, and I just yeah, I wasn't feeling it. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I think Skins. Maybe when I came out, it was like I was like thirteen, fourteen. I think that was maybe like for like the late later teens who were like starting college. I think I was a bit too young for that at that time. But right. I remember it did have like cultural impact. I do remember people talking about it. I do remember the kind of like people on my space or whatever like you know having all discussions but I think even on the mainstream channels it was like soaps that you would look to for people and like I always find it interesting in like Coronation Street or EastEnders like we know if you're from Manchester or like especially East End of London there's more than one Asian family on a street but like in those soaps they would just have like one Asian family at a time and I think Maybe like the Masood family and EastEnders, like they were the because I think they were actually a quality family, they didn't ax them so soon, like they actually kept that one running. So maybe that was, and all the actors from that family, like Himesh Patel, and like I think Nadia um, Wadia from Goodness Gracious Me, they were, they were all doing their thing before, and now they're really doing their thing. All the so I think they invested in the right talent, but. I guess when we were growing up, there just wasn't, even the Disney, like the Disney girls, like Miley, Demi, Selena, there wasn't, now you've got like, it's getting more like diverse, but in that era, there was, it was very like, they had a a, a formula and a recipe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I would say the same, like when you watch the soaps, which probably I'm just guessing here, I'm not sure, but quite a big percentage of the country watches at least one soap and it's quite a reflection of British society you know sort of the way that we embrace the the soap soaps in the UK I think is I've had discussions with other friends it's completely different to other countries you know the soaps are there but they're not religiously watched like they are like you know Coronation Street EastEnders are always on at the prime spot you know, of an evening. And it's something that you tended to watch with your parents or, you know, your siblings. And the fact that, you know, with EastEnders, I always used to think the same. I used to think it's supposed to be set in the East London and there's hardly any families from ethnic backgrounds, you know. And even I think it's quite interesting for, for me as well in EastEnders, you know, watching the Caribbean family. Are they kind of a Fox slash Truman family? It's quite interesting because of the way that they decorate their house is very of a particular West Indian culture, which is probably more of a reflection on Patrick. But it's quite interesting looking at the other characters in the sense of the way their house is and everything. But at least I can say that 
some aspects of it are I would say authentic but you know then there still is some really bad stereotypes in that as well but yeah the same with the Masood family like like you mentioned the actor that played the son Amesh Patel yes yeah he's like gone on on to become you know a really successful um actor and obviously starring in yesterday and then I saw him in Tenant. He was in Tenant. Oh, he was in Tenant. Oh, okay. I didn't see Tenant, but yeah. So exactly, it's quite interesting. And and watching, it's quite funny that, you know, watching those actors start on soaps and then they go on to do, you know, really interesting work. It's funny. (laughs) But yeah. But again, I would say that that's probably would have been a constant representation growing up for me, you know, somewhere where I would have constantly been looking for for somebody that was like me and it's it's quite interesting because I was talking to the um, filmmaker of Doubles with Slight Pepper, Ian, and he grew up in Canada and he says that he, when he was growing up, he used to watch Desmond's which is quite interesting. And I said, oh, I used to watch Desmond's as well. And then we both realised, like, how long ago that was made and, you know, of the great Norman Beaton. But we were struggling to find, and I was embarrassed in the sense that I was struggling to find, you know, programmes I was watching in the 90s that I thought was, you know, and, you know, a true reflection of me. So, so that's interesting. Is there any sort of films that you sort of felt like were in whether you might have not thought that they were particularly a authentic representation of but you you noticed that you were drawn I think films like obviously Bend It Like Beckham that was like you know and I think people take like just like the you know the African diaspora is vast because you've got Caribbean, African-American, you know, there's all different experiences vast. But I think Bend It Like Beckham, it was just a great film. And it was just like, I remember like everyone enjoyed it. And I think that was really so progressive and ahead of its time. So I think growing up that, obviously you had like Slumdog Millionaire. And I think like some American stuff, you had like Harold and Kumar, but sometimes we would try, I think for me, like though it was kind of like you have one film a year. So like the namesake brick lane, or I think we had some like good stuff. I remember watching East as East and I just thought that was funny. Like, you know, it may not have been my specific experience, but it was good to see like some representation on screen. And I think those films were like really cool. Even like, I think this decade we have progressed because like even recently you've got like, you know, Riz Ahmed doing his thing with like, Mogul Mowgli, even with, you know, I think it's the new Dev Patel film where he's playing the, is it the Green, the Green Knight? Yeah. That's coming out. And with like, obviously you've got like, I think now you've got, before you did have superstars, but now you have like superstars such as Riz, Priyanka, Chopra, Jonas, even Himesh, he's kind of really doing his thing now. So you've got people who can lead a movie and can carry it. Whereas I think back in the day, People were still good, but they weren't getting the the dues that they deserve. Before it was kind of like the films would always be about like interracial, like Bride and Prejudice, or like like the, the films would be the the whole film will be about okay, two cultures. That's that's the only thing the film is about. These two cultures meeting, where it's like, 
why can't we just have it like we're, we're beyond that now like that you know why can't we have other films where it's just like like people just living their everyday normal lives yeah um, but with the whole EastEnders thing, I think the whole E20 thing was kind of progressive as well. When I don't know if you remember it when they... Yeah, is that that's the online... Was it online or it was yeah. like the spin-off thing that they did, wasn't it? About like the younger group of friends. Yes. Yeah. I wish they actually like continue... Like, I don't know what kind of... Maybe they are still doing it, but I think that a lot of talented actors kind of came through that and were like writing their own episodes and stuff similar to like the approach that skins had but I think obviously that four lines was like super controversial as well but I think you know some of these films like growing up it was just like you get one a year and that's that's just like you, you you're like oh, okay we'll wait and I know feature films take like a like a year to make like a year to edit and then so I understand, and the UK film industry doesn't have the budget that Hollywood has. Mm, yeah. So I kind of understand the logistics of it now, getting older, like, that. I think there was some good stuff, but I think it, it, like, we just didn't have the infrastructure to really, you know, create our own content. And, you know, you look at Bollywood and, like, wow, like, how much content they produce, or even, like, Naughty Word, if you're going to, like, Africa has a whole film industry. So I think it's about looking at those industries and being like, okay, what are they doing that we're not? Mm. I think it's quite interesting as well, thinking when you talk about like Bend It Like Beckham and things like that, in the sense of that our talent go to America and go abroad. And I don't think that that necessarily is a reflection on our industry. Like obviously America is Hollywood, so they are going to gravitate more towards that. But I think that there needs to be sort of a way that we look at sort of homegrown talent and, and, and keeping more of the black British representation. But l- like you were saying a, a moment ago as well, I always felt if I did have somebody that I identified with more on screen, it was always a conflict so with you, you were saying about cultures, quite a recurrent theme, obviously, is racism. When you look at the black British experience, and obviously that is an, something that you do have to face every single day. But I just want to film also about an ice cream man that happens to be black and the story about that, or, you know, just a story about, and it's just that the character happens to be of, you know, black British. Um I, I think that that's quite quite interesting as well of the sort of different stories that we can we can tell because obviously racism is one aspect of it but I I would say it would be it would have been nice to see more different stories being told definitely and also when you were talking about you know with with Bend It Like Beckham and and films like that the sense of the regional representation so. I, I I don't know as much, obviously, about the, the sort of South Asian uh, representation, but do you feel, I know it's difficult coming from London, but do you feel like it was necessarily more of one particular area? 
Yeah, I remember I watched when doing this research for this, like we kind of had like a timeline of films and there's a really cool like E4 film called Wild West, which is I think it's way ahead of its time. It's about these from South or these Pakistani brothers who want to be country singers. It's like, I didn't even know it existed, but I watched it and I really enjoyed it. But the film is set in South Hall and Bendit I Beckham is based in Hounslow as well. So like a lot of Asian films are kind of based in the West London, which there is like a big Asian community. So I think, I did think, cause like that when doing my research, I realized there are some stuff like Man Like Mobeam, the TV series. Oh with, yes, yeah. That's based in Birmingham. East is East is like Lancashire. I think also, what do you call it? Quite a, there, there is some regional representation, and Anita Rami is the black country, but I think there was just no like. What about Scotland? What about Wales? Like it was just very kind of, and even within London, I just feel and a lot of things about that those stories were about like conflict and identity and existing in those areas. So. I think there, like, there was kind of like attempts to make it. I think even like Manlo, Mobin, like when you when you just watch it, you listen to the accent, you know it's not from London. Like the way the the girl's speaking, and I think that was so refreshing to hear someone who didn't have like a RP or L- London accent. You can tell that she's Northern, and yeah. having those stories kind of told. I think also even with like black british stories a lot of them are like london centric we don't really see much from manchester birmingham or even just outside of those major cities as well yeah that's what i was thinking because when you obviously mention like anita and me and like that's mira sayal and you know east is east i think that that's more probably because the talent behind it that made it are talking about their reflecting on some of their experiences and that's happened that happens to be from where they are from but when I yeah when I think about like black black British it very much is London centric particularly growing up it was and you know there's a big Caribbean community in Bristol in Burnham but it it's to me it felt very London centric obviously you've got Lenny Henry that's from Dudley but apart from that, I can't think of many experiences that are, are not London-centric. Like you said, I can think of examples of of the South Asian representation where it, where it is other places, but I think that that might be more to do with the talent behind it. So, yeah, I, I, just, I think that that's, that's interesting to, yeah, to, to see. More thinking about going forward, do you... Can you think of anybody that's sort of creating their own content and, you know, trying to maybe perhaps change that? Yeah, I think even just like circling back, I think MIA was the first person I saw that I was like, this is an actual representation of me because I never saw anyone that looked like my mom because my mom's of like Tamil descent. So they're quite, they're dark skinned. They have like a specific tone of hair. Like MIA was the first person I saw that I was like, she highlights her hair you know sometimes with that Asian portrayal it can be quite traditional in the way they wear their clothes like MIA was like performing next to Kanye West when she was like nine months pregnant on the Grammys and like with her music videos of like driving cars through the desert and like but and I think the whole thing with sometimes in that era it can be very easy to just not 
pass as Asian when you want to, but to like, MIA, she'd let you know all the time that she was like Sri Lankan, that she was political, like, and, you know, I think she was the first person like I saw that I was like, okay, like this is someone who, she was the, she, and she was the only person for so long. I think music is a whole other story as well, but so much of when you're growing up, you're watching music videos, TV. So I think MIA was still like a pioneer. Even other people I speak to, they were like MIA, you know, because I think she was just unapologetically her. Whereas some of, even in films, I would, I would watch actresses and sometimes some of them would be mixed race and they would play like, maybe other race roles, they they will be dipping in and out. But MIA was very unapologetic. Like and I think in the long run that's actually paid her dividends because people like, you know, even if her music is not your thing, like she was someone that you like knew and she really pushed the boundaries of what your reference was for like a South Asian female. I think these days there's like you've got like Nida Manzur who does like We Are Lady Parts, that new Channel 4 series kind of watching that and wild west like i kind of see some i don't know if that was a reference but i'm seeing like the butchers the bands like i don't know that might not have been a reference at all but it's kind of interesting doing your research and seeing the links going for like going forward obviously like i know this is like a weird reference and it's not necessarily in film but i think even same malik for like the mainstream media i've been seeing obviously he's from bradford he's of like pakistani heritage as well i think he was very important as well and like i think sometimes you know there's independent people doing their thing but also in culture in general just having that face and like one of the biggest like mm. bands ever and he was very unapologetically himself as well so I yeah. think he was someone who's important. Now you've got just in the media kind of Joy Crooks, like Ravina, who are really like unapologetically themselves. So you can see the lineage of the MIAs kind of being, you know, the legacy of that being in these like pop stars who do kind of are important in representation, whether or not we like it or not. I think creators obviously got Mindy Kaling from like Never Have I Ever and she- She's unapologetically herself as well. Like she makes it never have I ever. Like I, I, I love that show, and it's kind of interesting seeing the teen space. It's really important to have like kids shows, or I don't know if you saw any film like TV shows growing up that were kind of like you could identify with. Yeah, like it's it's a weird one. Like for me, I <laughs> yeah. I, again, it was those. Nickelodeon shows like Sister Sister and like Keenan and Cow, which is quite interesting because now watching those back, that wasn't at all like my life. It was more I a lot of my family do actually live in America, so I've a couple of times gone out there, and it's very much there. It's obviously it's their experience, and you know the references within the TV shows, you know, like Chuck E. Cheese and all those, like, and outdoor cinemas and things like that. And it made me really realise that I was kind of identifying with these people, but they were so different from actually the life that I lived. So, yeah, I, I struggled to, to find find somebody that I'd say really uh, that I would identify with. And, again, like... You were saying with MIA, I can't think of a, for me, I, 
I liked rap music, but again, it was just not so far removed from the life that I lived. And I can think I used to dress, you know, I love my Air Jordans and things like that. But it was not the, it's kind of weird because I was trying to pull that representation to try and get that for me. But now looking back, it, it was obvious that that was missing. That's why why I draw to that representation. But now I would say that 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 wouldn't be the case. I think even with like MTV, I remember there used to be a presenter called Tim Cash and I remember like being so happy. It's little things, even Jamila Jamil when she was on, you know, like when T4, like that was actually a thing back in the day, kids. There used to be a thing called T4 where if you wanted to watch Friends and all your American TV shows, they'll have slots during the day. Yeah. I think she was important. I remember the first time I saw, even though like, you know, nowadays everyone knows who Jamelia Jamil is because of her like activism work. But back in the day, she was just like this really pretty T- T4 presenter. And that platform had like Alexa Chung, like a lot of like, yeah. if you wanted to be a presenter, that was your, that was the go-to platform. But I remember... Yeah having seen those representations and I think even I was into like Keenan and Kel and like you know those American shows because they were just great like everyone can enjoy it so like my hope is is that there can be a show like that that we can individually identify with that crosses over that everyone can appreciate Mm. the community and but they're just crossover because they're like so great so mm. that's like my hope that there can be just a show about like two mixed age brothers who like run a shop in in like Derby or whatever and like <laughs> you know that people yeah. will watch and be like oh I'm not of this culture but like I still really like it and I've learned something. Yeah, I think that that is the key is to have stuff in there that your community can identify with, but just generally. It's just, I think that's the key is to have just human situations and situations you you face. Because, yeah, because I think that that is a little bit why I was saying about, I just want a story where that where that character happens to be black. But, yeah, thinking, thinking back on, like, I would say, obviously, Michaela Cole is probably the best person to... To, to look at with that and the crossover that she has you know as as a uh, black British female but also you know you can identify with stuff you know in her work obviously some of it is difficult to watch but you know I think it's themes that sort of cro- across the board and also as well like with comedy so I'm just trying to think of like Citizen Khan I used to find that funny and then it's funny like I used to watch that with my friend who's who who is from a South Asian background and she I highlighted stuff within it that I that I didn't pick up on you know so it's quite interesting yeah I think that one people either love it or hate it Citizen Khan but I think that was I think that 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 was some representation on screen and like I think it's about moving forward I I think there needs to be like I read a saying yesterday that someone posted on Snapchat it says if nothing changes nothing changes so if we don't change some of the practices we're going to have we're going to 
like I think there has been when doing our research and stuff like even towards the end it'll be good to like just acknowledge the names of people who've been doing their thing because I think there has been people really doing their thing like it just they haven't had that major infrastructure to just continue to facilitate the work that they've been doing even watching goodness gracious me it's kind of like tiktok length skits as well i had a watch back yesterday and how ahead of its time it was how tight the ensemble cast was those people were like way ahead of their time really so i think you know even with the sitcoms obviously you know a major broadcasters there's only a number of slots available each like commissioning round i guess but i think with streaming the possibilities are kind of endless now So I think it's about, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. I think now, like, there must be some, like, rich people in the community or just some people, allies, who are like, okay, like, how do you feel about the whole, like, Channel 4? Is it black to front? Yeah. Well, I just personally, sometimes I feel like, yeah, as long as you get a, a variety of the Black British experience and it's not focused so much on racism or one aspect of it because it then becomes that, that that defines you. But obviously Channel 4 were quite vote, quite instrumental, you know, in the 1980s and when they started up in improving Black representation. But I have mixed feelings about it, but yeah. Yeah, I heard that they're commissioning like a new series called like Big Age. I think they are doing good stuff. And I I think it's just about keeping that consistency up, really, mm. you know, really finding the funding and the resource the resources to make these shows possible. Cause I feel like in the nineties there was a lot of like African American sitcoms out there. They were just that every if you were like a celebrity, everyone everyone could like you had the Jamie Foxx show, Sister Sister, Cousin Skeeter, like we can create like a whole episode just on like these sitcoms. And I think someone it must have the productions cost money, right? So someone must have been financing them. I think my hopes is like you know on Amazon when you have those add-ons like Star or like Movie or BFI player. We just need to have like a network or something. I know we've got BBC Asian Network or like other ethnic. I think now we just, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. There needs to be like a like an influx of funding now and an infrastructure to like because I think there are a lot of young writers out there. There are a lot of young creators out there. Is about giving them these slots to produce a show, and you know. Because I think we're we're past the stage of just having like one thing a year now. I think with streaming, people are, you know, how many how many sh- how many shows are out there these days? We need to have like more things, and I don't know how easy that is to build an infrastructure, whether or not it has to go onto a major broadcaster or a major company, or if there can be something independent set up. Like you see with Bollywood, they've got like ZTV and Star. Um, even BET before Viacom bought it was Black Entertainment Television, which yeah. was made because their shows just wasn't given the right platform and space. So I think there just needs to be one created. So I don't know what your thoughts on that are. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I always think, I always ask the question with why is obviously the Black American experience is quite there's a lot more than other countries. And I think it's to do with the where the money is and the creatives. You know, you've got like Tyler Perry and 
Spike Lee that are, are able to do their own thing and have the funds to do their own thing. This is just the impression that I get. In the UK, you still are more dependent on those institutions in order to commission your work, like the BBC. Um, so, yeah, it's all about, I think, making your own table instead of waiting for a seat at that table, which I think will get better with the way that things are now shifting, you know, to virtually, you know, like you can create your own stuff. For instance, that amazing Fresh, Fresh Prince trailer that that guy made. It was a movie. I remember watching that thinking, that's like movie quality. And he obviously just came up with the idea and just decided to, you know, film with friends. And I'm, I haven't really followed much lately, but I think they're going to, you know, it obviously got the attention of Will Smith. So I think, you know, you can make stuff happen more than, you know, more the traditional sense of waiting for your work to be commissioned. So, yeah. Yeah, this is what I'm proposing because, like, I think we just need to set up, like, or get get conversations going, but also because I think that series I think has been commissioned for like HBO Max. I think the oh. they had a bidding war for that thing, and he's a he's a filmmaker beforehand, but he was just like, okay, let me. I think he put his own money into making that trailer as well, because obviously yeah, yeah, it was money. money. Yeah, it, you can tell by the look of it that you know he knows what he's doing. Those are like great equipment. I think you know there's so many like great. Like, I think we need to, like, just put out content. And I think it's a whole thing of people just working together to make this thing work. So say, for instance, you've got, like, on the theatre side of things like Kahani, Tamasha Theatre. There's a new organisation called Kahani Arts as well. You've got, like, Burnt Rotty, like, independent organisations and publications, Juice Dropler, even... I think it would be really cool to, like, have... Like with Tyler Perry, like he's able to like fund his own productions. You know, Marvel uses his film sets to, and that just puts more money into his bank account. I think we need to kind of have a think and realize, you know, we need funders from our own community. And to, because there's no black owned or POC owned major movie studios in the UK, there's none, zero. In the US, you've got Tyler Perry, and I think you have a couple of independent ones. Obviously, Tyler Perry's like the, the biggest yeah. one. We need to start having our own, otherwise we're going to be always waiting for that one slot or whatever. And I think things are progressing, but I think with digital now, we need to realise like, okay, that the space for content is infinite now. It just has to have that quality control in it for yeah. it to be seen. But I really do think, I know they've got like a lot of writer screens, um, writer schemes and incubation schemes for like projects. I even think, you know, because I know that you work in a venue as well. And I know a lot of people have connections to venues. I think with the research we've done and the amount of things, I think we can definitely have like, I know BFI had like Black Star season where you know, they celebrated talent. I think we could definitely, with the, with the, with the shows and stuff we listed, we could have like a whole month's, we just hire someone to just like in our budget just to secure the rights and to like (laughs) sort all that stuff out I think because I think sometimes you know when you have when you show that content people will come away from that screening and be like oh I've got an idea like I want to do it like this or so I think venues as well just programming seasons where 
you know, just being consistent with that. But I definitely do think even, well, I think we do have like major stars now who can like lead a film and carry it. I think from both of our communities. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with Riz Ahmed and um, the work that he's been doing recently. Yeah, that really shows. But also it's quite interesting how long ago he started his career and he's just starting to now to do, you know, work outside of that and be able to, to, you know, create his own, own work. But yeah. Those are the people that have paved the way, like the Riz Ahmed, yeah. even Priya Kalidas and like, you know, those are people in the early noughties that were really putting in their shifts. Mm. Yeah. You know, going through, going through all those obstacles. Cause there wasn't a, like now they're able to, because of the hard work and the talent they have. Yeah, but yeah. I think now, like, we have to, like, also think not just about creating content, but also having the infrastructure to show it and to commission it. So I think it's a lot to do with just thinking outside of... And not everyone's going to be a writer or an actor, you know. There's also room for just financiers, like, you know, like, financiers, even people to own, like, you know if you've got land and you want to open your own studio base or like theatre and you just want to set something up in that way, I think as a community, we need to start to like work together. And I'm, I'm always looking forward to like positive disruptors in the industry, you know? So I don't know, like I, I, I'm obviously I would like, I would love to help in any way, but I think I'm really looking forward to just seeing like, you know, in the 90s, how there was just so much content out there, but it was good content, but it was like everyone kind of had a voice and a platform. Not everything made it past the first season, but like there was a variety in like representation. I think that kind of needs to happen now. And I, I know like these streaming services do have like massive budgets to like fill their content and to keep they they don't want people to unsubscribe basically like they need to keep people on there and I know Disney Plus are doing they've got a new scheme for like new filmmakers and stuff okay yeah it's called Story Labs or something I think they had like oh, I one think, yeah I think I've heard of that yeah a short film about like American Eid and I think that's Disney's like the biggest and even with they've got a new Marvel movie I think it's the first like Pakistani like superhero oh cool yeah um, with the success of like black panther that was important in you know breaking down the doors mm. um, i think and i think as well we can look to the major things but major things also start independently so i think as a call to action even within my own like um collective or whatever it's just about putting in putting out really cool work if or not it's an event, a season, you know, even, you know, ind- funding independent films and stuff and just being consistent with that. And hopefully, you know, create, like you said, creating your own table, you know, opening the door for yourself. And hopefully that will get the attention of like-minded people who have keys to other doors. Yeah. Um, because, you know, every job is the, an audition for the next job. So I think we now have to kind of like, think okay cool like how can we you know show people there is talent there is different stories out there yeah definitely I agree and I yeah I think it's it's about coming together and 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 
you know, sharing each other's resources in the sense of, I think we just always think about the director and the writing and things, but it's obviously where are you going to get all this money from, the finance? And I think I think that that is something that I've recently been thinking about. I think it's where the money lies as well to, to get those going. But yeah. Oh, well, it's been great talking to you, Caroline. Thank you so much. And hopefully, you know, we can do some kind of like event. I think now like we've kind of done our, we've got some research and I guess I'll, I'll continue to like add to the doc as well, like of things I see, because it's always... Uh, sometimes I spot something I'm like I didn't know this existed it goes straight on the docks so I think like definitely like thank you so much for having me on and I just want to shout out all the independent people out there who have been doing their thing you know there's so many shorts we've been watching even some from the 80s or 90s that were like way ahead of their time their work and there's platforms like BFI Player which is really important in preserving those works and giving them a continuous platform. So I just want to shout out those people who paved the way. The tribute will always be continuous because, you know, without them, you know, they've done the hard work for us now. So our job is to continue that on. 